So let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Um, we are uh, entering the Christmas. We're moving towards the 25th of December, uh, uh, a holiday that we all get to enjoy together as, as, um, as families. And, and we, I thought, you know, let's, let's start early. So last week we talked about uh, Jesus, Prince of Peace. And then this morning I would like to... Um, Go visit the nativity, the nativity, nativity, nativity scene, the, the season, the time to see what it looked like there. Let's pray together and we'll get right into it. Father, we are so grateful for your word. We are so glad that we get to have it to speak into our lives, to transform our lives, to inform our lives, to give in, um vision and hope into our lives and we pray father that you would take this morning and you would do beyond and above anything we could ask or think help us lord to see balanced truth help us to see um not be moved by the by the masses but to be able to see what you think and what you've left for us to think through in jesus name we pray Amen. So, like I said, we've entered the Christmas season. And for many people, it is a wonderful time of the year. But yet for other people, is everything but wonderful. There are conflicts in family. There are people, we, we had one lady at church years ago. She dreaded Christmas. She was, um, she was in her 80s, and then she went into her 90s. I think she lived until she was 95 years old. And every Christmas, she would lock herself in an apartment for weeks. And sometimes we would have to go and, and almost break the door down to, to have, you know, relationship to pull her out of that depression of loneliness there are people that have financial burdens over Christmas there are people uh, that are burdened through illness and you know there there are people even maybe not here today but there are definitely we know that in the world today there are people that are displaced not because they want to, but because they have to. Displaced from their houses, displaced from their countries, displaced from any, anything familiar. Uh, we, we, we have the people of Ukraine, but not just the people of Ukraine, of many other countries, Afghanistan, people had to flee a couple years ago, and people going all over the place and yet, we have TV, magazines, social media that really don't help the issue. Since, you know, it's become a thing where these means of communication are communicating uh, lifestyles. 
that are just not real. I mean, there are posts, I love my life, that are always going out. Nothing wrong with them in some ways, but you have to think yourself sometimes what, um, when, when, when that becomes the thing that we, we, we're just putting forward or, or that we're listening to from other people. I just love my life. And you look at that life and you just think to yourself, I wish I loved my life. There's the communication of the travel, the wealth, the strength. You know, I, a couple of years ago, I mean, I've already talked about this. We, we, we had some Christmas pictures. And it, I mean, they are lovely pictures. I mean, Arden is looking at, um, I think Arden is looking at, jo- uh, at, um, at uh, Loretta. Jonathan is looking at Loretta. I, you know, and, and it's just such a beautiful picture of love and harmony with our Christmas hats on the beach. And you could look at that and think to yourself, oh my goodness, I just wish I had that this Christmas. But what you don't see is that I was yelling and threatening Arden that he either cooperated or I was going to do something to him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And sometimes you just have those, those, those things that... I mean, of course, I, I want nice pictures. I don't want me yelling at them. But I want you to know that, that as, as, we, as, we com- as we have these pictures of love, to realize that they're often, they just, most of the time, they don't show the background, the stuff that is going on, the harmony. There's these posts with the generosity, the... the, the the great job, my dream job, and all these posts, all these things of just amazingness. And when we feed ourselves with that constantly, it can create this, wonderful, this wonderfully terrible thing that is called uh, comparisons, discouragement. It makes us discontented and leads into depression. After all, if you see this couple on Instagram that are traveling the world, I love my life, we love each other, and you never, did, and you never see anything that might be a, a bit of a real life there, that what it makes you think is that what you have that has the real thing that everybody else has is just not worth having. So maybe you need to look for this utopia that is somewhere else but where you're at. But when we read our Bibles and we spend time in them rather than submerged in Instagram or the news or, 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 or the TV shows or, or the magazines, we begin to see that the lives and characters in the Bible who were most blessed and loved by God we're often, if not always, not in such perfect situations. You cannot read the Bible and think to yourself, oh, I just wish I had their perfect life. 
I remember I went to Bible college once and I taught, and you know, I'm quite open with our, our, our marriage situations back then even more. Maybe I was dumber, maybe, <laughs> but, uh, but, but we were really going through the mill and at one point I just began to share about some, our, some of our marriage things and then this young student, she was, she was a new Christian, she was 20-something and she says to me, um, oh, poor thing that you're going through this in your marriage. And I'm thinking to yourself, just wait. <laughs> when I was a single Christian without kids, I was Superman. <laughs> I got married and I was humbled. I got kids and I'm desperate. <laughs> I got Arden and I'm dying. <laughs> But we cannot read the Bible and think of these idealistic things. The reality is that every character in the Bible went through difficulties. There's not one that had a perfect life, but they had a perfect God in their situations. So what did the first Christmas look like? It's so important that we go back to origins because oftentimes we make things Things become what they never were. What were the circumstances? What were the circumstances for one of the closest people in the scene? Or on the scene? Because we sing songs and we sang it today. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round the virgin mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. And no doubt there was silence. No doubt it was a holy night. No doubt it was a heavenly peace. No, no doubt there's a, an infant that's tender. But, but we, we, we can't get away from the fact that there would have been smell of animals. There would have been a crying baby. I don't think for a minute that Jesus didn't cry when he was a baby. <laughs> or... That, he didn't have to that Mary didn't have to change nappies as if Jesus never went to the bathroom. You know, the reality is that there's the realities of life. And sometimes we can sing songs, all is calm, all is bright, and think to ourselves that everything has to be calm, everything has to be bright in the way we think and not in the way the Bible speaks of it. So not speaking against the song, I just think sometimes we can interpret the song in our own way. And let's look very briefly at Mary's life. Mary, I think, is the closest to the nativity. She gave birth to Jesus. And let's look at her life and see how, how, how it was. It's in Luke 1.26, now, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of of Galilee named Nazareth. We have here a couple that are actually born and raised in Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, 
you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who has been called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And here you have this girl, this young girl, with all the future in front of her, with all the desires that a, a young girl would have to, of, of marriage and, and of having children. And all of a sudden, this angel shows up, Gabriel, the same one that spoke to Daniel, the same one that spoke to the shepherds, the same one that spoke to, to, um, to Zechariah. And all of a sudden, her life is completely rocked because the, whole, because the angel says to her, you are going to bear a child you are going to bear a child from God and not from the one that you are engaged to. So think about it. Mary says, let it be to you. Let it be to me according to your word. Her future was rocked. No longer the white wedding, so to you know. No longer uh, to be able to look at her husband and it's like this. We we you know I, I um, we, we're just gonna inaugurate our wedding together. No, no, she is with child, and this was a sign that God said He would give years before a virgin will conceive. Now, some of you guys are thinking, oh my goodness, a virgin, how can a virgin would uh, get pregnant? Well, listen, guys, if God created everything and we are experiencing creation, what is the problem with having a virgin bear a child? But that's not the point today. The point is that she said, let it be to me according to your word. And her future was going to be rocked. She yielded her future to God. Her relationships got damaged. All of a sudden, imagine coming home. Hey, Joseph, I got to tell you something. I'm pregnant, but it's not what you think. Um, an angel came yesterday. <laughs> And told me that I'm going to bear a child, not through you, through God. You can imagine Joseph going, huh? 
And in those days, it was like this. It's like this. I mean, in, in these days, too, you find out that the girl you're engaged to is pregnant through somebody else. It's a big challenge. Especially if it was literally with someone. But, you know, I mean, but it's a big challenge. And all of a sudden, Mary says, let it be to me according to your word, God. But it was going to cost her, possibly, her relationship with the love of her life. Her reputation. You know, we read the other day, actually, as we were reading through, the, um, uh, uh, through one of the Gospels, the, the Pharisees and the, the Jews, they actually said to um, Jesus, we were not born of fornication. We were not born out of wedlock. I mean, pretty much what they did is they called them a bastard. That's what they did that day, which means that word got around that Mary had a child, but it was not through Joseph. So therefore, they actually, her, she had to live with what others thought of her, which was not the truth. And here is the first Christmas. There is reputation damaged there is a relationship strained there is the future what what does the future look like i don't really know what it's going to look like she had to yield not only that she had to yield her comfort i mean we mentioned a minute ago how how um right now People from the Ukraine have had to move. People from Afghanistan have had to move. People from Syria had to move. Leave their homes. I've, I've met in, in Istanbul, we've met with Iranians that had to leave the country because they became Christians. And literally, they leave with their suitcase. Nothing else. They leave properties, cars, houses. And some of those people, quite wealthy, have to leave Everything behind. And Mary here, she has to leave her comfort. Not only does she go from um, Nazareth, while she's pregnant on the ninth month, on the ninth month, to Nazareth, I mean to Bethlehem to register because the governor said that. But then afterwards, if you read Matthew chapter 1, you realize that when Herod, the, gov the, the king, realizes that the Messiah has come through the Magi, through the wise men, an angel comes to Joseph and said, get out of here. And they actually go to Egypt. They had to leave. Not only do they leave Nazareth, not only do they go to Bethlehem, but then they actually have to leave their country for a season. A discomfort. This is the first Christmas. Reputation damaged, uh, future shattered, this, uh, having to move without anything. And also, another thing that's quite interesting 
is that the first Christmas is one when, when, when they went to um, Bethlehem, there was no place for them to stay. There was no room in the inn. They had to actually stay in an animal stall. And actually, Jesus, um, when they offered for the birth of Jesus, they offered turtle doves, which means that they did not have a lot. They were in a financial, they were poor. They didn't have an abundance of, of supplies in their life. And think about it. When we think of Christmas, we think of great relationships. We think of, um, we think of abundance of food. We think of the, the warmth of our homes. We think of just the, the abundance of gifts. We think of all these things. And you know what? Those things are not bad in themselves. They're not bad in themselves. But it's not the meaning. It's not what makes Christmas wonderful. I mean, her future, Mary's, we, we think of the first Christmas, Jesus comes in and, and, uh, and with Mary. And, 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 and you know what? I mean... At one point, Simeon says to, to Mary, uh, he will be great, but a sword is going to pierce your heart. There's going to be pain in your life. And just think how her future changed that one day, it, it wasn't quite a Christmas time, but the year afterwards, uh, uh, 33 years later, she had to see her son die on a cross. I mean, that is, that is painful to see your good son, to see the son, your first son, to see the very plan of God for your life die on a cross. And she actually even had to give away her right to defend her son. You know, sometimes I think when, when we watch, I mean, it's one thing that we go through pain, but it's another thing when we watch somebody else we love go through pain. That's even worse. And so all that to, to show, I mean, just the first Christmas, it's not that idealistic. It's not that perfect. It's not that, uh, uh, you know, this Instagrammable. It's not worthy of maybe what we would see in commercials today or Christmas movies as, as a great flick for Christmas. So as we see this, I, ju I just want to ask ourselves, as we see the first Christmas with this reality, what should this produce in us? How should we look towards this Christmas together? You know, whether, uh, we, whether we are here in Mallorca, wherever we are, how, how should we be looking at it? Number one, we should realize that everyone is going through stuff in their life. Everybody. There's nobody that has a perfect life. 
this will help, this will comfort us, and this will also um, uh, help us um, help us not to compare. You know, it will. It, 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 I, I hate to say it, but I mean, to me, when I realize that other people are going through stuff, it comforts me. It's good. I think one of the temptations in our life is when we think we are the only ones going through through things. The, the devil loves to isolate, but it will comfort and it will help us not to com compare. You know, you, we all have things going on in our lives. We are in different seasons. Some of you guys are... are uh, not well not some people are financially doing great but relationally doing not so good other people are are, are healthy uh, but financially not so good other other people have uh, great things but the fa the the family's divided you know what i mean there's all kinds of dynamics there's no one that has everything perfect on every level and what we need to do is to be careful and realize that no one is like that no matter what it looks like online. Number two, we should accept the circumstances that we are under. Take, for example, somebody that's single. And he's just like, oh my goodness. I just, I just want to be married. Well, you know what? We, we really have to accept if we're single, that right now we're just single. Just settle into that. Let's say that you're married, which, wishing you were single. Let's say you're, you're a widow. You know, there, there's a sense that there has to be a process in us where we just accept where we are at. There's nothing worse than always looking for the next thing. You're single, wishing you were married. You're married, wishing you had children. You have, you're married and with children, wish you were alone. You know, just, I think what we need to do is develop the mentality of growing content where we are at. Knowing that whatever it is that we're going through at the moment is temporary. It's not forever. Within that, we should accept the circumstances where we're in and we should cultivate a mentality of gratefulness for the things that are doing good because in your life, not everything is bad. In my life, not everything is bad. There are reasons to be thankful there's always reasons to be thankful in our life. And it doesn't mean, you know, I mean, because sometimes it doesn't mean when I say, when I say you should accept the circumstances, I don't mean to have no faith that they might not change. I'm saying there has to be a contentment. There has to be like a neb, um, neb, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were with Nebuchadnezzar, and, Neb and they didn't worship Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to kill you. And he says, you know what? The Lord is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't deliver us, we will not worship you. So they were content with both situations. 
So it doesn't mean that we're just content and say, well, this is the way that is going to remain forever. But there has to be an element to accept what it, is, what it is that we are going through and then to also press forward that no matter what it is that I'm going through, I can be grateful in it. I mean, look, we have a dear friend, and I, I've talked about it so many times. It's the most powerful example of, of this. She was diagnosed with cancer. And she fought the cancer, and she really wanted to be healed from cancer, and we wanted her to be healed from cancer. I prayed with her for her every day for several years. I mean, we love her dearly. She was a millionaire. She, she had everything. And I, there's a point why I'm saying this. And she said, look, I wanted you to do my funeral, because she lived in Northern Ireland, but I, you know... I, don't do my funeral. Come over. I want to see you while I'm alive. And we went to Northern Ireland. We got around the bed. And she said this to me. She says, the Lord has blessed us materially over the years. But in this bed, the only thing that matters is to know the love of God. She had accepted her circumstances but she was able to be grateful in her circumstances. And she, we should seek to see and treasure what God is doing. I think sometimes we get so caught up with the cares of this world, and this is something that really troubles me in prayer meetings, to be honest. I mean, I think prayer meetings sometimes, if we're not careful, they can become just petitions, almost like Santa. You know, just like, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And although he cares, for, he cares about us, remember that he says that the word of God comes to people and the devil steals it because the cares of this world choke it. And sometimes we can just be concerned for our um, horizontal situations without seeing our vertical privileges for lack of a better term. I'll give you an example. Elisha and his servant, they look at this huge army and they are overwhelmed by the circumstances. Well, not Elisha, his servant. And he's like, let's get out of here. We're going to get killed. And he could see the horizontal. But Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes that he would see that the ones that are with us are more than the ones that are with them. And he says that the eyes were open and he saw chariots of angels, his, the heavenly host around. And all of a sudden he realized, oh my goodness, I'm with a majority. The, the, ver, the, the, the horizontal circumstances had not changed. They remained the same. But he got spiritual insight. And I would say we should seek to see and treasure what God is doing that we might have spiritual eyes. In the midst of our difficulties, to have spiritual eyes to see that God is doing something greater than we could ever imagine. Daniel in Babylon. 
I mean, that was not an easy situation, and yet Daniel was there as a witness. He could see what God was doing. Elijah, in his depression, he ran to the cave, and, and, and he, said, he said, I just want to die. He got to the point where he was so desperate in himself that he just says, it's not worth living anymore. You ever feel like that? And yet, it says that the Lord appeared to him, not in the storm, not in the fire, not in the wind, but in a still, small voice. He was able to have spiritual insight. And this should produce in us, when we begin to see this stuff, it should produce in us a grateful it should produce a gratefulness, listen, that we have him near. I mean, what, make the, what made the, early, the, the first Christmas special? Something magical was happening. Jesus was on the move. I mean, when Elizabeth went to see Mary, says, the baby inside of me leaped with joy. Inside, Simeon, he shall be great. Anna, I've been waiting for this. I've seen the salvation of the Lord. The shepherds, they see the angels saying, hey, he's come, he's coming. Peace to man. And, 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 they, and the wise men travel from afar and everything, surround, everything goes around the presence of Jesus. That's what mattered. Grateful to have him near. Listen, guys. This should produce in us this Christmas, no matter what the circumstances are, eager to worship him. I came here this morning, and, you know, I, I, I think it was a nine-something. Um, Martin was here way earlier, and then the worship group began to just kind of trickle in. And at one point, they were just singing. And I just thought to myself, what an amazing thing to just be gathered around a few people just singing songs to Jesus. Not just the church, but in the house. That we would grab, you know, one of the most amazing things we did for Christmas one year. Maybe you can do this. You could adopt this. But it was, it was just, we had the, the students. And what we did it was one Christmas, we, some stayed behind with us over Christmas. And we had our Christmas carols here. We had a booklet from the church. And, um, and what we did is we sang one carol and then we opened a gift each. <laughs> And then we sang another carol, and then we opened a gift each. And then we sang another carol. We, I think we sang 100 carols. No, I'm just. <laughs> but, but, you know, the beauty of just worshiping Jesus, no matter what the circumstances are. This Christmas, I mean, to be able to talk to Jesus, the fact that he has made it available for us, what what nation is there that has God so near for anything they might call upon him for? The fact that we're able to go for a walk and talk to him. The fact that we're able to get together two or three people and pray. That we would rejoice in him. That we would yield to him. That we would be eager to sit down and listen to him in his word no matter what's going on. 
No matter what's, you know, whether, whether you're lonely, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether the world is on top of you, whether you are, uh, are, whether you are emotionally fragile. I mean, to be able to sit at, 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 at the feet of Jesus, like Mary sat, uh, the other Mary sat at the feet of Jesus as a student and just said, Lord, you are the mighty counselor. You are the mighty counselor. And no matter what's going on in my life, you are closer than a brother. You are closer than anybody. You're not just with me. You are in me. And I want to finish with this. That this Christmas, there will be an attitude in our hearts as Mary had. Notice what she said. She said, verse 38, after the news comes that her life is rocked, Mary says, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary says, you know what? This is, going, this is big news. This is going to change everything. This is just radical, supernatural life and world changing and you know what no matter what my circumstances are whether it's my reputation whether it's the crucifixion whether it's um the the lack of um uh, supplies whether it's a refugee in egypt no matter what it costs you know at the end of the day all i want is you let it be to me according to your word whatever your plan is I just want to be grateful and content in it. And what we'll find is they will find joy, comfort, and gratefulness, not because of our circumstances, but in spite of our circumstances. Not because of our circumstances, but in spite of our circumstances. You know, this Christmas is going to be the first Christmas that I spend away from my family, from Loretta and, and, and the, the kids. And I'm so happy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they leave on the 23rd. And I arrive, and I'm going to join them on the 26th, but I won't be there. It seems little, maybe, but it's, it's not. It's Christmas Day. It's the family. Loretta's parents are older. You want to be with them, you know? But you know what? I'm just like, okay, what good can come out of this? What else can I do? You know what I mean? It's not the end of the world. Let's, no matter what is going on in our lives, realize that others are going through things. Realize that that does not mean that Jesus is not near. And let's, let's be a people that, that get spiritual perspective, that we get spiritual insight, and that we draw near and experience the love of God shed in our hearts. The first Christmas was not idealistic. 
It had rough circumstances, but it was blessed. So let's have, um, like we said last week, better to have um, a how, oh, yeah, crust the bread with peace than a house full of feasting with strife. I'd rather have bread and cheese with the fam and just enjoy each other than to have this, all this work and all this feast and then just like, hey, you do this, and just, just strife. Let's seek to enjoy the blessedness of Jesus with us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your, for, I mean, for your realistic word. I mean, we just think of history and how the Assyrians uh, and everybody, I mean, everybody does it, but the Assyrians just showed their victories. They never showed any defeat in whatsoever. And yet your word is so honest, Lord. It shows us the reality. Shows us the reality of the characters of the Bible. That they were like, they had like passions. They had like difficulties. And we can relate to that. And then although they had real circumstances, they had this wonderful uh, work that you were doing in their life. That encourages us, Lord. That just as you work with them, you want to work with us. That just as you comforted them, you want to comfort us. That just as you filled their lives with hope, you want to fill our lives with hope. And we talk about Mary, and when Mary, the news came, she just broke out in worship. My soul magnifies the Lord, no matter what it cost. And Father, help us, Lord, help us to enjoy this season, to enjoy this season, no matter what's going on, because you're with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.